us lived up to our potential and managed our resources so well that we could provide for ourselves, our families, and our communities in a meaningful and substantial way. Join Step Right with Lynn, the show dedicated to empowering socially conscious individuals to manage their financial resources for the benefit of themselves, their families, and the greater community. Here's Lynn Wedham, Certified Financial Planner and Managing Partner at Step Right Capital Planning. Welcome to Step Right with Lynn on Wednesday, June the 3rd, 2015. Our topic today is Position Your Child for Success, and I believe that's every parent's goal. Uh, my guest this week is Steve Blakely, and we're going to talk about the four character traits that every child must be taught to manage money well and how to foster the development of these character traits. Steve is a certified parenting coach, author, speaker, and the founder of Parenting with Leadership. When parents apply the four leadership principles in Steve's book, parents can solve over 80% of the typical child and teenage misbehavior they encounter. Steve's book is called How to Lead Your Child to Success. Before we call on Steve, I want to tell you about a fundraiser that's happening this evening, June the 3rd, at 7 o'clock at the Waterloo Region Museum, 10 Huron Road in Kitchener. It's a fundraiser to support A Dream for Uganda, uh, which is a dream of supporting a school for the performing arts in Uganda. Um, this event will raise money to bring a dance troupe from the school to Ontario in November. Uh, and this will also coincide with the opening of the Grand River Film Festival uh, when a documentary about the school will open the Grand River Film Festival and the dancers will perform. So um, this fundraiser tonight involves fashion, live performances, art, live and silent auctions. You'll have a great time and support a great cause. So come on out to the Waterloo Region Museum, 10 Huron Road, and support this event this evening. Um, and also set aside November the 2nd uh, to see the film and the kids perform at the Grand River Film Festival. I know we're all really looking forward to it. Um, and I'd also like to remind you about the workshops that Lisa Riom and I will be presenting on the topic of financial fitness. Lisa and I will be offering workshops focusing on the principles that lead to financial success on Monday, June the 15th in the evening and on Wednesday, June the 17th over the noon hour. Uh, if you're looking for a great gift for a graduating student, these workshops would be that gift. Give me a shout if you'd like more information about those workshops. You can email me at lynn at stepright.ca. You can also get a sneak peek uh, by listening to last week's Stepright with Lynn when my guest was Lisa Rayom. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, Steve, how did you get involved doing this work involving parenting and leadership? Oh, okay. Wow. This is a great story. Uh, perhaps I'll, I'll give you the very short version of it. <laughs> My wife and I have a special needs child, and we experienced a lot of failure. In fact, my wife bought over 20 parenting books. And over a seven-year period, we consistently got nowhere with his behavioral mm -hmm. issues. And so uh, we uh, really took a break and uh, just resorted to some prayer to say, God, please show us 
Mm-hmm. And seven months later, we believe we had an answer to that prayer when uh, we heard a fellow by the name of John Roseman on the radio being interviewed, and he said, I'll tell you why most of the parenting advice fails to work. And that mm-hmm. caught our attention. And basically, we bought one of his books, and we implemented it, and we said, hey, this is all about changing us, not our child. Mm-hmm. And it was all about us becoming leaders. And when we okay. made that switch, our son's behavioral issues changed. And we went, we basically had a transform family within a matter of a few months. Wow. And so that led me to, wow, this is, this leadership is so powerful. And it later, a couple years later, led to me taking this jump to move from the corporate world to uh, setting up my own practice of helping other parents out. Wow. That is a great story. So in your mind, are the two words parenting and leadership, are they the same thing? Are they synonyms? Are they... Uh, they're, well, they're they're two totally different. No, like they're, they're different, but they go together, if you know what I mean. The, mm-hmm. the a, a lot of... Me as a parent myself, and I was a leader in the corporate world. I I was an executive in a technology company, and I understood Mm -hmm. leadership. But for some reason in the home, I didn't think it applied to raising kids. I don't know why. I just had a different viewpoint there. And so did my wife, uh, who was trained in in business as well as psychology. Uh, But... Uh, we just understood raising kids had to be different for some reason. And Uh when we realized it didn't, and we could apply these leadership principles from the corporate world to our home, you know, what effective leadership is, uh, we were so relieved, and it made our job so much more joyful, and our home became a home of peace. Yeah, that's that's very interesting that we... um, we you know that you you speak of segregating the different parts of your life. You know this is the way I behave here, but this is but I behave a different way here. Very interesting. Yeah. 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 So as a parent coach, um, you've identified four character traits um, that every child needs to know um, to lead to their success. So what are those four character traits? Well, before I mention them. I would like to just start with some humor and okay. a little bit of background to how I arrived to them, and then it will make a lot more sense when you hear them. Okay. Steve Burton once said, the comedian, he said, I love money. I love everything about it. I bought some pretty good stuff, and he lists some of the stuff. Got me a $300 pair of socks, got a fur sink, a fur sink. <laughs> an electric dog polish polisher, a gasoline-powered turtleneck sweater. And, of course, I bought some dumb stuff, too. <laughs> and my point of this is, in addition to sound financial advice and education for our children, if they don't have some good characteristics, in this case, for this person, good judgment of what is a good purchase and what is not, it's going to be very difficult for them 
to be successful with the best financial plan and the best financial advice. Right. And so that's my whole point of or angle that I'm coming at with these four characteristics is looking at what are good characteristics of adults who manage their money well. Mm-hmm. And then taking those characteristics and working backwards. Uh, so in my practice of parenting with leadership, I teach parents to always look at the end goal first for their children. So in this case, we're talking about money. Look at that end goal, which is them living on their own as, as adults. What are those important characteristics to persevere well through whatever financial advice they receive? Okay. And and then work it backwards and make sure you as parents allow your children each day to practice those characteristics so they get good at it. And mm-hmm. then when they become adults, it they'll already have that fundamental base there. Okay. And so the four characteristics that I saw in common when I observed adults who manage money well is, number one, delayed gratification. Uh, These people are patient. Uh, As an example, this adult will save for that family vacation first as opposed to taking it now and taking on expensive credit card debt. Mm -hmm. So that's the first one. The second one is resourcefulness. These adults are resourceful or creative with what they have, and they're able to still reach their goals. Mm -hmm. And the third one is organization. Uh, That's an important skill if you plan to track your money or live within a budget, or to have a financial plan to your success, a core ingredient there is being organized. Mm -hmm. And the fourth one is self-discipline. This is the ability to stick to your plan through the adversity of life. You know, there's a well-known quote that says, it's easy to meet expenses. Everywhere we go, there they are. (laughs) So having that self-discipline to persevere through that adversity. Right. And so those are the four common things that I've observed in adults who manage money well. And Mm -hmm. so my focus is, uh, for parents who are listening today, is giving them some tools and tips for how they can integrate these characteristics into their children's daily routines so they can practice those characteristics and become very good at them. So by the time they do as teens and adults deal with money, they have a good base to work Mm -hmm. from. So um, delayed gratification, that's our first characteristic. Um, more about what that means and and why is it important to manage, managing your money well? Well, my definition of delayed gratification, the short version, is really just the ability to wait patiently. In the case mm-hmm. of managing your money well, the ability to forego short-term temptation for long-term gain. And so... Let me give you an example. 
if you're a young professional just starting out in your career, the delayed gratification, the ability to forego short-term temptation for a long-term gain applies with planning for your retirement. Being Mm -hmm. able to maybe say, perhaps I shouldn't buy that new car right away. Maybe just buy a used car, save with the savings I have, start investing that for my retirement 30 or 40 years from now. Right, creating a little bit of balance there. Yeah, So, um, So when you talk about children waiting patiently, like when you describe delayed gratification as to wait patiently, we can see why we would desire our children especially um, to to be able to do that. Um, how can we how can we teach that uh, with children, and then how do we relate it to um, you know our 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 goals around money? Mm-hmm. One of the things I recommend for parents to get their children practicing delayed gratification on a daily basis is to have them do an abundance of chores. Chores in the morning before school, chores after school, and chores after dinner. And I strongly recommend to parents that they do not pay their children for chores. And the delayed gratification here is, as parents, you're going to motivate your child to do the chores by withholding the fun stuff they want to do in their spare time, like mm. children that love to watch TV or play video games or or um, play with their toys or, or even participate in organized evening activities like sports or arts. Mm-hmm. I would make those always conditional on the work being done first. So it really teaches your child on a daily basis that delayed gratification concept that I work first and then I play. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I would I would say that that um in the home I grew up in that was certainly um uh, you know that was certainly expected. There were things like, you know, practicing your music before you went swimming and that kind of thing. Mhm. Uh, mhm. So waiting waiting patiently and um yeah. So, is is it enough? You know, how easy is it to motivate children? Um, you know, just by saying you've got to get this done before you do that. Well, I recommend parents take a leadership approach. So, a good leader will have the discussion, have the conversation with their child one time, then post the expectation so it's clearly visible every day. So post the chore schedule. Mm, And then never remind again, never warn, and just let the child learn by their own mistakes. And so they'll have situations where they will forget a chore or out of rebellion not do the chore, and the evening will come and maybe there's an organized sporting event where they're part of a team and maybe your child's a, a pretty important player on that team. And you announce to the child, I'm sorry, you're not going. The the chores were not done. 
or they weren't done to my level of quality. Mm-hmm. And and to go through those experiences of of not being able to go. And mm-hmm. and those are what makes it very memorable to the child. And they only need a few of those and now they realize, oh, mom and dad's rules are firm. Mm-hmm. They're consistent and it's up to me to solve it and do it if I want to participate in these fun things that I want to do. Yeah. I can I can see that that's the tough part I think for the parent though, right? When when the team is counting on your child being there but but you have to stick with that decision. I I can see things breaking down at that point if you're not really strong. Well, and what I recommend to parents to help them through that is Focus your attention on the long-term goal. Then you'll be able to make wise decisions in the short term because you're always basing your decisions in the short term on what advances my child closer to that long-term goal. Mm -hmm. And, And that helps you make wise decisions. If you instead, kind of the opposite of that, is making decisions based on the short term, such as, my child's feelings, you know, my child's happiness. Um, that's how you can get yourself into trouble right? in terms of not of moving away from your long-term goals. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. these are great teaching opportunities. I look at them because they're insignificant, really, in the big picture. If your child misses one game and lets the team down, well, yeah, it's it's unfortunate. But in the big picture, it, it, if it motivates that child to correct their ways through that experience, then mm-hmm. when they grow up and have, you know, situations where, where they're not um, inconsequential, they'll hopefully be better prepared. Yes, and I would um, – what – I can appreciate this is this is very similar to what um to making goals and sticking to them um in many other situations because what what I tell people is you ne- you need to know what it is you want and you need you know what your retirement's going to look like and or you know shorter term goals as well but um you need to keep your eye on those in order to keep you on track. And right. um, so I really I really appreciate that explanation of that as well because it's the um, – it really is, um, you know, knowing why you're, um, you know, giving up one thing for another um, to make those decisions in the short term. Um, Mm. I think that we will um, go to our first break now, and uh, we're certainly uh, fascinated by this subject, and we'll uh, get right on to the the next character trait when we get back after this break. Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Lynn focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. 
Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on A to Zen.fm. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S. 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atozen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Uh, my guest today is Steve Blakely, and we're talking about um, positioning our children for success um, with money. <clears throat> Steve, you've you've suggested that um, that children have chores, and um, you know you've really suggested that there's you know be in the morning, after school, after dinner, um, that and that you know doing the things they want to do is conditional on having the chores <clears throat> completed and that you know this is how they're going to really learn about the real world is is what you know I can kind of see there but um I'm I'm going to say likely you don't start when somebody's 15 and then tell them they've got um you know chores at breakfast time and chores after school and when do you get started with this i recommend to parents that they start at three years of age when their child's wow. three years old i have clients who i've taught this to and they've got their three-year-olds setting the table loading the dishwasher sweeping the kitchen floor feeding the cat <laughs> And wow. and they're amazed. They said, "Oh, I can't believe it! My three-year-old is actually enjoying this and and looks forward uh. to this every day." And I say, "Yeah, because there's a, a feeling of um, immediate gratification there, like of of a job well done. Look accomplishment. at me and mm-hmm. accomplishment." And and I recommend you start that early. And by five years of age, if you want a benchmark, a child should be capable of doing up to 80% of the household chores and doing about, you know, a majority of them on a weekly basis. You know, wow. not just chores during the week, but on Saturdays, extra chores, you know, mm-hmm. vacuuming and dusting and or washing floors. Uh, kids are fully capable of doing that. Even the way you say it, you make it sound like it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think th- I think you're right. Now, when I was a kid, um, if I went to my grandmother's house, I much more enjoyed doing that kind of thing, though, than I did in my own home. I think chores can, you know, still be chores. Um, but again, good uh, good positioning for the real world. Exactly, and my my son. Um, he likes, he, he's a teenager, and for example, on Saturdays when he does his chores, 
he likes to have the radio playing in the background with the top, you know, mm-hmm. the countdown of mm-hmm. top hits. And that that that's something he enjoys while he's doing his chores, and I'm perfectly okay with that. You know, if that helps him get motivated, you know, when he starts mm-hmm. getting his energy going with some good beats that he likes, and uh, I'm all for it. For sure, yeah. Um, so what if we... What if we didn't set this basis from, you know, three years old and five years old? Um, how do we how do we teach a, a teenager? You know that you know we all knew so much more when we were teens. We knew every everything about everything. You know what it is that know it all teen. How do we teach them um, this delayed gratification? Okay, well the. One example for teens is this. Teens are motivated by freedom and money. Those are things all teens want. Mm -hmm. And parents are motivated differently. They want to see their teens grow their minds during these teenage years, you know, get a good education. Mm -hmm. And so I love, just as a real simple example, what John Maxwell said he did with his kids that brought a win-win situation together and that's this he chose certain adult books that he found were very inspirational for him as an adult or Mm -hmm. very good for teaching him certain things as an adult and he said to his children if you read this adult book and you answer some questions about it to verify you're at it, Mm -hmm. I'll pay you a good chunk of money for it. Mm -hmm. So rather than, you know, going to wash dishes for $10 an hour, I'll make it worth worth your while to read instead and grow your mind. And and I love that approach. It's a win-win for both the parents and the children because the, the teen is learning and putting into practice delayed gratification. It may take 20, 30, 40 hours to read that book. Right. And that may be spaced over several weeks. Mm-hmm. But it's teaching and putting into practice that concept of delayed gratification. Mhm. And it's it it's doing a lot of things. It's all there is delayed gratification there, but we're also making an importance on learning too. You know, mm-hmm. we're saying it, it's important to learn and it's important to, you know, depending on what kind of books these are, um, you know, it's important to, um, you know, develop yourself um, and character. Yeah, teaching probably a lot of um, a lot of things with that approach. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's a good one as well. So we're really getting close to our next break, if you can believe that or not. But let's take a look at um, the second characteristic you mentioned was resourcefulness. We better we better touch on that um, before this break. Sure. Uh, well, my definition of resourcefulness is really this: being creative with what you have in order to reach your goals. We've all heard the saying: "It's not what you earn; it's what you save." Right. And. And that's really what this is all about is is like, for example, this is why it's important for managing your money. You're going to have 
phases or periods in your life where your finances might get a little tight, like buying your first home. Mm-hmm. Or as Billy Crystal said, and this is about being in a relationship or, or marriage, he said this, it's money. I remember it from when I was single. <laughs> so that approach that as you get into a relationship or get married, of course, that's going to um, maybe cause a season where you have to be resourceful or, or even when you're a parent. You know, yeah. there's another saying, yeah. a father is someone who carries pictures in his wallet where his money used to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, Certainly and a so lot of demands, lots of demands on families today. That's right. Yeah. And so it's yeah. important to learn this skill. And not only that, outside of just the context of money today, when our children get into the workplace, one of the challenges they're going to face is they have to be resourceful to be successful in their career. Because companies will say when you join them, guess what? This year, we're going to grow our business by 10%, but guess what? You're not allowed to change the cost. You're not mm-hmm. allowed to hire mm-hmm. any new people. So you got to figure out and be resourceful and creative for how you're still going to grow this business or right. maybe on cutting costs. But that's how the corporate world works. So if your children are used to practicing resourcefulness, not only will it benefit them in their personal lives at home, with money, right. but it'll also benefit them in their careers as well. So I can I can think of ideas, you know, people that that I know that have done, you know, things that saved them a lot of money, um, you know, just just where they were very smart. But how do we develop this? How do we explain it to children, and how do we develop that in our children? Um, you know, you've certainly explained where it's a very important skill for us today but how can we how can we develop that in our children the the place i would start is this is where you really have to be laser focused on the end goal and if the end goal is i want my child to be very resourceful then a a practical way Mm -hmm. and i picked this up from john roseman it's very very useful He says simply to teach resourcefulness to your children as parents, say no more than you say yes. So they have a bunch of wants, your children, and you as a parent may be able to financially afford to give them everything they want, but is that good for them in the long term? Is that going to help them become resourceful? Probably not. It's probably going to help them become self-centered and spoiled, rotten, you know, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And so instead, you know, if you're a parent living on a fixed income, you know you can't afford to buy everything you want. Right. And so often you're going to hear the answer no quite often from your spouse or in the business world from your boss. And and that's one simple way you can teach resourcefulness. So here's an example. Your child may want to buy this brand-new bike costs $400, and you can afford it as a parent, but you could use this opportunity to teach resourcefulness, such as, well, I'll tell you what, I found a bike that is very similar to that one, except it's gently used, but it's in great Mm -hmm. condition, and it's only $100. And so if you go with that option, I'll make it Mm -hmm. worth your while. 
I'll actually split the difference in savings with you. So if cool. the difference is three hundred dollars, I'll give you one hundred and fifty dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just one way that you can make it a, a pleasurable learning experience for that child to say, "Hey, hmm." You know, for depreciating assets like a bicycle, which of course a child isn't going to understand, but but you know, like cars. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you can reduce the amount you spend in those areas and instead use your money on appreciating assets, yeah, uh, you're going to be far better off. And so this is a lesson you can teach young that hopefully they'll carry through and look at those options of perhaps in this simple context buying used versus new. Mm-hmm. and using their money elsewhere, that benefits them in the long term. Now, in yeah. this case with the child, it benefits the child immediately. It's like, wow, $150? That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Or you got to raise 50 by reading books, and then I'll give you the other 50. Because if we, it'd be a whole too. lot of books. I mean, it'd be a whole lot of books if we had to, if you had to get the full, the full $400 for your bike, right? Right. A lot of hours. And the way it works for parents who don't have much money, you know, like a single parent who's barely making ends meet, resourcefulness comes automatically by their right. financial expectations. It's it's like, no, I can't afford this new bike. So right. it, the only thing I can afford is $100, and so whatever used bike we can buy for that money is what you'll get. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those kids are learning resourcefulness as well. Right. And, and and so there's, you know, there's more than one way to do it. And I just took the approach from the perspective of parents who have plenty and are able to and, and, and it's buy the right their kids everything do. they yeah. want. That other options to teach this valuable skill. Yeah, and 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 to realize it's not being cheap. It's taking this opportunity to teach. Yes, that's right. Um. You know, and which, it's easy if you are focused on that long-term goal. Because right. in the short term, you're thinking, oh, but that sounds a little mean, you know, not buying my child this brand-new bike. Right. And and that's where if you're focused on the long-term goal, you'll see that, no, no, this is just one step that's going to bring my child closer to that long-term yeah. goal of being resourceful. Yes. That's excellent. Uh, We're going to go to break now, and uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about organization. Is there a contribution that you dream of making? In society, planned giving seems to be presented as something you do once you're incredibly wealthy or planning your estate. Step Right with Len focuses on good money management and planning your contribution at every step based on the issues important to you. Learn how to expand the goodness around you and take responsibility for the issues important to you. Tune in for Step Right with Lynn every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central Time, 7 a.m. Mountain Time, and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on AtoZen.fm. This is Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham is a certified financial planner. To participate in the program today, please call toll-free in the U.S., 815-880-8255. That's 815-880-TALK. Or in Canada, 613-800-8736. Or you can Skype us at atizen.fm. You can also make the choices to ask or comment by email by sending to lynn at stepright.ca. Now, back to the program. 
again. Uh, today we're talking about uh, teaching children some principles um, that will lead to financial success for them. Uh, my guest is Steve Blakely. Um, we've talked about um, characteristics of delayed gratification, um, resourcefulness. Um, the third characteristic is organization. Um, what do we mean by that? How is that going to be important um, to teach children to manage their money? What I mean by organization is simply put the ability to organize your money. And we all know that good financial planning often involves budgeting and mm -hmm. tracking some of your expenses so you see where your money's going and as well as planning for the future, planning for success, financial success. And if you look at those things that you need to do, one of the common ingredients there is organization, being able to organize your money. It's important to do that because I like what Dave Ramsey says here, you have to control your money or your money will control you. And mm -hmm. so which is it? And right. and that's where um, organization becomes a very important characteristic. For example, if you look in corporations and look at their accounting departments, these oh. departments are highly organized in terms yes. of tracking where the money goes, tracking the expenses, uh, putting the budgets together, or tracking how they're doing according to the budget. Yep. Uh, and it's a very valued thing in corporations. And yes. that skill yeah. set is very important to have that organization. Yes. And so it's equally important for children to develop that organization. So as adults, when they're managing their money, they are very comfortable organizing it and, and working with budgets and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do we bring this practice to children. It's I I know that it's something that a lot of adults do not like to talk about um to talk about a budget. It's it's got you know the it's just got a it has a connotation um people believe that a budget takes away freedom. I try to to teach people that having a budget brings about freedom. Um but how do we get it across to children to do this thing that that may seem distasteful? Well, what I recommend is you start small and mm -hmm. start uh, with hands-on. So here's a simple approach with a child that you can take. Pay, offer to pay that child a weekly allowance, no strings attached, that you'll receive this money no matter what. But also okay. give that child four envelopes. You know, the first envelope can be labeled bills and taxes. The second envelope can be labeled savings. The third envelope can be labeled spending. Mm -hmm. And the fourth envelope can be labeled giving. And so let's use a number here. Let's say hypothetically you choose $10 a week is what you'll pay your child. Mm -hmm. Part of the condition of that allowance is that your child 
allocates the money that they receive into these envelopes, such as in real life, we don't get to keep everything we earn. That's and right. And so that first envelope called bills and taxes Five dollars of that ten dollars goes into that. <laughs> yep. And that yep. goes back to mom and dad. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. The second envelope, savings. Well, two dollars out of that ten dollars goes into that envelope. The yep. third envelope, spending. This is the money you can spend what however you choose. Two dollars goes out of that ten dollars into that envelope, and you're left with one dollar. And I am. One of my values as a person of faith is that my child gives back to the community and specifically gives back to to God, mm-hmm. and and so ten percent there, uh, one dollar goes into the giving envelope, which will go back to the community to something that is going to benefit the community, and mm-hmm. and so it it allows the child to learn some of these important fundamentals that. I don't get to keep everything I earn, and and I'm learning to organize my money. Mm -hmm. Now, this is done physically. It's with envelopes, but it's a way that they can get engaged, and it'll be fun. Like when your child can count the the money and and organize it this way, it's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. you can also build on that thereafter. So, for example, in the savings envelope, you could add a lined piece of paper that has three columns. The date that the child can write in where new money goes in, the amount, how much money is being put in, and the current total that's in the envelope. So if your child can do basic addition, your child Mm -hmm. will be able to really create a ledger for that account. That savings Mm -hmm. account is what they're doing, but it's it's done in very simplistic terms that's fun for the child. Right. And 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 you can build on that to institute planning. For example, with the spending envelope, your child may want a new gadget or something that you being that parent who wants to teach resourcefulness says, no, that $40 item I will not buy for you, but if you raise half of that money, like twenty dollars, I'll buy mm-hmm. it for you. Right. And you can then teach your child how to plan. So you're you're receiving two dollars a week in your spending envelope mm-hmm. and you can teach them, well, how many weeks is it gonna take if you saved two dollars to get to twenty dollars? Right. And it will be ten weeks and, and so you could even create another piece of paper there that that has the plan written out so the child can almost use like a checkbox to say, yep, this week I put $2 in, next week I put $2 in. So it teaches them as well how to plan for the future. Mm-hmm. And they're just simple things that are very visual for the child that will allow the child to really start practicing on a regular basis these critical organization skills. Mhm. A real teaching opportunity there on on so many levels. Um you know, the giving, the savings, the you know, just the concept that no, we don't get to keep everything that we <laughs> that we make. You know, that bills and taxes uh envelope. They're they're all really big teaching opportunities in that and you're you're kind of turning around that 
you know, if it's a video game or whatever it is, that desire that the child has for those things, you're you're turning them around to that teaching opportunity, which is um, which is brilliant. Savings. How do you explain savings to a child? Again, where it's it's kind of the delayed gratification, but you're using the spending also as delayed gratification. So how do we explain the savings part? I would describe the the savings part as more. I would use it myself more along the lines of this is what you do to prepare for retirement, to prepare for your future, and mm-hmm. to get them used to that concept that this savings envelope is money that goes in whether it's for their future education or whether it's for their future retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like or it's, even it's the ra- even really... the rainy day the rainy day kind of thing, right? The ah. um, um, you know maybe the um, I don't know. We I I try to use you know project account and some other um, you know rather than the disaster account, right? It has such a terrible uh, terrible connotation, but. Um, uh, you know that just just for a rainy day for something that goes wrong for a need that that comes up suddenly that's um, right yeah. yeah 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 so a lot really a lot of a uh, lot of good concepts there so um now our last um the fourth characteristic is self discipline so what do we mean by self-discipline, and how are we going to teach that? Uh, what I mean by self-discipline is really, by definition, the ability to self-govern oneself. Um, and in the case of managing your money well, it's it's the ability to stick to the plan through the adversity that you'll face. Mm-hmm. And you know, a simple example of that is I was at a friend's house couple weeks ago that I hadn't seen in a long time and he had this amazing TV it was a retractable screen that came down from the ceiling and then the screen filled his entire wall of his rec room <laughs> and it the television wow. was projected onto it and the quality was amazing it was high definition it even had 3D and like I was blown away and I and I was like immediately thinking hmm how much do these cost and you know, you'll you'll run across temptations like that, but if it's not in your budget, mm-hmm. do you have the self-discipline to say, no, not now? Mm-hmm. You know, Zig Ziglar said about motivating yourself that people often say that motivation doesn't last. And he says, well, neither does bathing. That's why we recommend it daily. Right, yeah. And it's the same thing of practicing self-discipline. If parents can have their children practicing that now on a daily basis, just like bathing, by the time they're adults, they'll have a they'll be good at it and and it should be more natural then to them to mm-hmm. practice it. Um and so you asked as well, how do you develop that with your children? Right. And and so couple things here. I already talked about chores, but that's also another way area that it can be practiced because you're not reminding your children to do the chores. You're not um, giving them any warnings. You're just standing out of the way. 
<laughs> and letting them live with the consequences when when they fail to um, meet those expectations. So that's one way of teaching self-discipline because they'll have to learn right. by the mistakes. A second one is the homework situation with school. Okay. When a child's a little bit older, you can say to your child, these are my expectations around homework. I will not help you with homework. I will not remind you to do it. It's your job to do it and get it done. However, I've worked it out with your teacher that if you fail to submit completed homework two times in a row, your teacher's going to call me. Okay. And you won't like what will happen if I get that call. Now, chances are you'll probably get that call. And I recommend you make it memorable to teach the self-discipline, such as Mm -hmm. say to your child, that smartphone that you find is the key to your social life that I pay for, guess what? It's gone. It's gone for 30 days. And mm. uh, my expectation is you'll finish all your homework and meet the teacher's expectations. And at the end of 30 days, I'll call the teacher. And if you had 30 good days, or how many school days there are in 30 calendar days, If she says you met the criteria every single time homework was assigned, you'll get your phone back. But if she says, no, you messed up once, then we'll wait another 30 days, and I'll call our teacher again after 30 days. So you can see it's very memorable to the child because I really want my phone back. That's my social Mm -hmm. life. But at the same time, now they're highly motivated to practice self-discipline of you know, they're going to have temptation around them, such as hanging out with their friends and doing that stuff instead of homework. But now they're so highly motivated to get their phone back, they're going to start prioritizing and practicing self-discipline and doing the homework. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I always recommend, and this is another way of teaching resourcefulness to your child with homework, is to say simply, if you can't figure it out, don't ask me because I'm not going to help you. Instead, ask your teacher, ask a fellow classmate who understands it, or Mm -hmm. Google it and figure it out on yourself. Because the sooner you learn to become a self-learner, the better you'll be for life. The more ready you'll be to live on your own independently. Yes, that's what I was thinking. It was the independence of of doing that. It's it it's amazing, really, how traumatic it is to take a cell phone away from from your child now, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. But those yeah. are powerful things that you can use at your disposal to make these teaching opportunities very memorable. Yeah. And often, it only takes one or two of those in one specific behavior, and all of a sudden the child will clean up their behavior in all these other areas. Mm-hmm. And that's the the great um, uh, fruit of that principle, so to speak. I have parents that come to me with a laundry list of 20 things they don't like that their child's doing, you know, 20 different behaviors, and I'll say, let's focus on one. We'll put a game plan in place for that one behavior, And often after a period of six to eight weeks, when they made the transition from disobedience to obedience in that behavior, the parent will also report to me, guess what? Six of these other behaviors in my list automatically went away. 
Yeah. Because he That's made it wonderful. memorable and, and it kind of awakened and, and the child. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I can see, um, you know, taking some of these actions being rather traumatic to parents at times as well. So it is really good, you know, to know that um, that you only have to do it a few times because that 30 days when the child didn't have the cell phone wouldn't, you know, just might not be pleasant for the parent either. Um, but I can That's see true. where you're, you know, you're you're really reducing that um, you're not reminding the children about what they need to do so you're really reducing the reminders or the nagging from the parents and you know all of what that can create as well uh, this has been really fascinating um, I think a lot of really uh, practical great tips here um, if parents are listening today and they need more information uh, what do you recommend they do next Steve well, if they like what they're hearing about this leadership and in terms of focusing on the end goal and working backwards, I have a lot of resources on my website that are free of charge. So by all means, go there and download them and, and start using them. I also have my book, which is a paid uh, resource, but it's all about leadership and looking at the end goal and working it backwards. and. And and so those are some great resources. If you're looking at financial practices in general, uh, well, there's many good resources out there for that, whether you're trying to teach money to a four-year-old through children's books or, you know, trying to teach a teenager how to manage money. Um, like, for example, John Roseman has a great book called Teen Proofing, and I love how he taught his son how to live within a budget and manage his own money through his teenage years. That oh, really set him up for success. So those are some good good examples of resources. Yeah, that's wonderful, Steve. Thanks so much for being with us today. Um, wealth of good information. I know that the listeners are going to really get a lot out of this. So thanks so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Thank you for choosing to listen to Step Right with Lynn. Lynn Wedham will return next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Mountain, and 6 a.m. Pacific on AtoZen.fm. We hope you'll join us. Remember to celebrate your wealth by doing something for yourself, your family, and your community. Until next time.